This is the Ministers of the New Covenant radio broadcast. We come to you in the name of Yeshua the Messiah, the Son of the Most High Yahweh. Tune in each week to hear teachings directly from Scripture, focused upon believing in the Father, His Son, and the holy and righteous law of our Creator. At the end of this broadcast, we will give you the web address whereby you may contact us for further scriptural information. It's good to be back here with you for another evening of talking about our Heavenly Father's Law. And that's what we've been talking about for the past several weeks. And we want to go to a passage tonight that is talked about a lot by ministers who profess that the law has been done away with, specifically the areas of Sabbath-keeping, festival-keeping, and new moon-keeping. Generally, you will never run into any Bible believer that believes the law has been done away with wholesale. Sometimes they may speak in such a way as to make you think that that's how they believe, but they do not. I guarantee you, if you pin them down long enough, you'll recognize that they do accept a great majority of the laws of the Creator found in Scripture, both Old and New Testaments alike. Well, one of the areas, though, that is usually shunned is Sabbath-keeping. Usually, if you tell somebody that you observe the Sabbath day, or if you keep the annual festivals, they say, well, you've denied the Messiah, or you're going back up under that harsh law of bondage, etc., etc. And one of the passages that these ministers generally go to is found in the book of Colossians chapter 2. A great friend of mine and I were riding down the road one day listening to a minister talk about the law, and it was already really starting to grate at me, kind of like somebody raking their fingernails across a chalkboard to some extent uh, or you know like when you hear a sour note being played on the piano and it just doesn't sound right at all there are some things that make me grit my teeth I have to confess I begin to grit my teeth and one passage that I usually cannot stand to hear most preachers talk about is Colossians chapter 2 verse 16 I mean it makes me tremble now don't get me wrong I love Colossians chapter 2, verse 16. Every now and then I run across somebody that talks about this passage, and usually when it's talked about, they talk about it in a negative fashion. I mean, it bothers me so much. I mean, it's almost to the point where I begin, my head starts beginning to hurt, and I begin to feel physically sick because I know what's coming next, and I cannot stand for a preacher to teach against any of the, of the Torah or the law of Yahweh. If this is the first time you've listened to this broadcast, the Hebrew word Torah is where we get our English word law. Most of the time in your English Bible, the word Torah is translated into English as law. It's probably better translated as the teachings and the instructions of Yahweh. Now, once again, I love the book of Colossians. I love Colossians 2.16. I love the Apostle Shaul. Uh, or generally called the Apostle Paul. I believe he's a true apostle, and I believe that he loved the law of Yahweh. And I don't think that he spoke anything against the law of Yahweh in Colossians chapter 2. One thing that we need to keep in mind 
before we venture into Colossians 2, is something that I've talked about in previous radio broadcasts concerning the tradition of the elders. You have to understand, in order to properly comprehend the life setting in the context of Colossians 2, you have to understand that Paul was very aware of such tradition. He was very aware of the so-called oral Torah that the Pharisees believed Yahweh gave to Moses on an oral-only basis. Now, if you're wondering what in the world is he talking about, I would refer you back to earlier radio broadcasts. You can find them on my website at ministersnewcovenant.org. You can find one titled, Is There an Oral Torah? Paul spoke of being schooled, being trained, being learned in the traditions of his people. In Galatians chapter 1, verses 13 through 14. I want you to listen to what he says here in this text, reading from the King James Version. For ye have heard of my conversation in time past in the Jews' religion, how that beyond measure I persecuted the church of the Mighty One and wasted it, and profited in the Jews' religion above many my equals in mine own nation, being more exceedingly zealous of the traditions of my fathers. That's once again Galatians chapter 1, verses 13 through 14. Let me state a few commentators on this passage. For instance, Abbott's commentary on the New Testament states on this passage, quote, Galatians 1, 14, There was a large body of doctrines and precepts held as of divine authority by the Jews, which had come down from the fathers by tradition, not being recorded in the word of the Mighty One. Our Savior often alluded to these traditions in his conversations with the Pharisees. End of quote. We also have Albert Barnes in Barnes Notes on the New Testament. He states concerning these traditions in Galatians 1, quote, Of the traditions of the Jews, comment on Matthew 15, verse 2, A large part of the doctrines of the Pharisees depended on mere tradition. And Paul doubtless made this a special matter of study, and was particularly tenacious in regard to it. It was to be learned, from the very nature of it, only by oral teaching, as there is no evidence that it was then recorded. Subsequently, these traditions were recorded in the Mishnah, and are found in the Jewish writings. But in the time of Paul, they were to be learned as they were handed down from one to another and hence the utmost diligence was requisite to obtain a knowledge of them. End of quote. We also have John Wesley's notes on the Bible. On Galatians 1.14, he states, quote, Being zealous of the unwritten traditions over and above those written in the law. End of quote. So what I'm showing here is that there have been other Bible students throughout the history of time, such as John Wesley and Albert Barnes, etc., that have recognized that Galatians 1 is talking about Paul being schooled in the traditions of the elders. And we should realize that this was the case. When Paul was persecuting the Messianic believers, he was very entrenched and involved in the religion of Judaism, or we might call it at that time, Pharisaism, which, if you remember, was not based primarily on the Torah that is the written Torah, but rather upon the traditions of the elders, that is the oral Torah, so-called. So Paul states in these verses 
that he was above many in the area of obeying tradition as he speaks of being exceedingly zealous for such tradition. Now, we've got to recognize that Paul was a Pharisee. You can look at your Bible in the book of Philippians, chapter 3, verses 4 through 6, and you will see that Paul, or Saul of Tarsus, Shaul as he would have been called in Hebrew, before becoming a follower of the Messiah, was a Pharisee. He was taught according to the perfect manner of the law of the fathers, as he sat at the feet of one Rabbi Gamaliel. You can read about this in Acts chapter 22, verses 1 through 3. So, Shaul knew of the oral tradition that had been handed down. And as a good Pharisee, which actually is a word that literally means separated one, Shaul would have abided by the traditions of the elders in a very strict fashion. He calls himself a Pharisee of the Pharisees. He was, as touching the law, and specifically he's not just talking about the written Torah there, but primarily the oral Torah, he calls himself blameless. All of the traditions, from the washing of the hands to the numerous laws that were added onto the Sabbath day to how to tie the zitzits in a particular fashion, you have to understand, when it comes to things like tying of the zitzits, which is a commandment found in Numbers chapter 15, verses 37 through 41, and also Deuteronomy chapter 22, verse 12, we find a commandment in the written Torah where that the children of Israel were commanded to make fringes on the four corners or outermost edges of their tunics. And they were to put within that fringe a thread of blue to remind them to keep the commandments. Once again, we read this in Numbers 15 and Deuteronomy 22. So, that law is in the written Torah, but in the oral traditions, in the Pharisaical way of obedience to the oral Torah, the tassels, the fringes, or in Hebrew, the zitzit, have to be tied in a certain manner. Tradition teaches that there is a particular way that the zitzit must be tied. These are the type of things that Shaul Prior to his knowledge of Yeshua the Messiah, the son of Yahweh, Shaul would have been entrenched in these things. He would have been entrenched in the Sabbath day. He would have been one of those religious leaders that would have told Yeshua that, Yeshua, you are breaking the Sabbath if you heal that woman on the Sabbath. You are breaking it. You remember in Luke chapter 13 where there was a woman who was bound by Satan for 18 years and she could not stand up straight. And the religious leaders after Yeshua healed her said, look, you have six days to come and be healed on the working days. But Yeshua said, no, look, do you not go down to your animal stall and loose your animal and take him down to be watered on the Shabbat, on the Sabbath? Shall not also this woman, being a daughter of Abraham... She's been bound by Hasatan for about 18 years. Shall not she be loosed on the, on the Shabbat day? Well, of course. Shaul would have been one of these people that made fun of and condemned and spoke against Yeshua for not following the oral Torah, the traditions of the elders. So, Paul was aware of all of these things. And why do I take up so much time? to bring this up in relation to Colossians chapter 2, verse 16. Well, 
It'll become apparent to you as we walk through the text, as far as we can get. And I want to begin at verse 8. So if you have your Bible, let's open it up to Colossians chapter 2, verse 8, and we'll study together. I'm going to be reading out of the King James Version. It states this in Colossians 2, 8. Beware, lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit, after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after the Messiah. So, we could go all the way back to Colossians 1, but let's keep our limited focus here beginning at Colossians 2, verse 8. The first point to recognize in this verse is that Paul is warning the Colossian brethren of those who would seek to spoil them, meaning to seduce or to lead them away. Now, the English Standard Version of the Bible translates this word very nicely when it states, See to it that no one takes you captive. So how would these men, in Colossians 2, verse 8, where he says, Beware lest any man, how would these men take the Colossians captive or spoil them? Well, there isn't a need for us to wonder too much because the text mentions four different ways that are intertwined in the process whereby men take captive those who have placed their trust and hope in Yeshua the Messiah. Now, the first way mentioned is through what Paul calls philosophy. And I believe that Mr. Henry Joseph Thayer, in Thayer's Greek-English Lexicon of the New Testament, gives us a very good definition of what is meant by this word philosophy. And I quote, Once in the New Testament of the theology, or rather theosophy, of certain Jewish Christian ascetics, which busied itself with refined and speculative inquiries into the nature and classes of angels, into the ritual of the Mosaic Law, and the regulations of Jewish tradition respecting practical life. End of that quote. Mr. Thayer points this out to us in his commentary. Certain people were leading away the Colossian Christians by imposing upon them their own ideas and their own particularities, or we might say idiosyncrasies, about various biblical practices. And that ties in very well to what we have already been concerning ourselves with in these studies on the Torah, traditions that are not directly found in the law of Yahweh itself. When a person reads the entirety of verse 8 in Colossians 2, we see this to be exactly what was happening. For the text mentions vain deceit, traditions of men, and rudiments of the world. Now, brothers and sisters, this is key that you understand this. This is a, a vital piece of information. The men leading the people astray in Colossians 2, beginning at verse 8, were not leading them astray by teaching them the Torah. They were not. And I need to pause right here and bring up a point because a lot of people in the Messianic movement or the Hebrew Roots movement or the Sacred Name movement, the movements that go back to the Torah, a lot of people have begun to deny the apostleship of Shaul Shaliach, the Apostle Paul. And one of the main reasons that people have begun to do this is because they think that he taught against the written Torah. And I think, and I'm not trying to be mean or ugly when I say this. I think that these people have come to this conclusion because of sloppy 
research. I do not think that they have diligently and exegetically studied Paul's writings and Paul's epistles to the various congregations during his lifetime. We're beginning to see this here in Colossians 2. Once again, it is a key that you understand that the men that Paul spoke of that were leading the people astray were not leading them astray by teaching them the Torah. That's not what they were doing. A lot of times when people hear me teach the Torah, ministers, pastors, regular nominal Christian teachers and preachers, they say, do not listen to people such as Brother Matthew or these other brethren that want to teach you that you must observe and you must obey the law of Yahweh if you're truly a follower of the Messiah. Well, once again, let's read Colossians 2 verse 8. Beware lest any man take you captive or spoil you through what? Through teaching you the Torah? No. Through philosophy, vain deceit, after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world and not after Messiah. Can the written Torah be termed a tradition of men? Well, of course not. Of course not. Yeshua even juxtaposed it to the traditions of men in Matthew 15 and Mark 7. He said, In vain do they worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men, and in doing so they make the commandment of Elohim, Yahweh, of none effect. So the commandment of Yahweh and the traditions of men are opposites. They are opposed. They are not in harmony. They are at a dichotomy with one another. We must understand this. It is vital. It is extremely important that you understand that these men were robbing the Colossian Christians of their life in Messiah by imposing upon them extra-biblical practices. Practices that were not in line with the teachings of, first and foremost, Yahweh the Father, the one mighty one of Israel, and His only begotten Son, in whom the fullness of the Spirit of Yahweh dwelt, Yeshua the Messiah, they were teaching them things that did not line up with the teachings of Yahweh and also the teachings of Yeshua his Son. Practices that drew a person away from the Messiah. This is not the Torah. This is the traditions. This is the rudiments of the world. I hope that this is coming together. Let's move on to Colossians 2, verses 9 through 13. Reading out of the KJV, it says, For in him, speaking of the Messiah, dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead, King James uses, that may not be the best English translation. I believe the Greek word is theotetos, if I'm not mistaken. It goes on and says that it, that fullness dwells in him bodily, and ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power, in whom also ye are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands in putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Messiah, buried with him in baptism, wherein also ye are risen with him through the faith of the operation of the Mighty One, who hath raised him from the dead, and you, being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. Now, briefly, Paul here goes on, and he seeks to go on into the completeness of the Colossians' forgiveness in Messiah, rather than various human man-made regulations. The human man-made regulations will not get you anywhere. They're not going to add to your salvation. They're not going to make you more holy. They're not going to make you more righteous. They're traditions of men, and that's what they will stay. 
The Colossians found their full and total forgiveness, not in the traditions, but they found their full and total forgiveness in Yeshua the Messiah. The men of Colossians 2 verse 8 were not teaching according to Messiah. So, the Colossian Christians were complete in the Messiah, verse 10. And they should keep that in remembrance. That is, that he was the head of every rule and authority, verse 10. It was in Yeshua that they had obtained the circumcision made without hands. That is, the spiritual circumcision of the heart. And they were buried with Yeshua the Messiah in water immersion, or the text says, baptism, verses 11 through 12. Then in verse 13, Paul shows that although these Colossians were once dead in their sins, Yeshua the Messiah made them alive. How? By forgiving them of all their trespasses. Which trespasses is just a fancy word for sins. And we know that 1 John 3 verse 4, we've taught on this, sin is the transgression of the Torah. So they needed to be forgiven for transgressing the written Torah, right? But obedience to these oral traditions, these traditions of the elders, would not add to their forgiveness. Paul is speaking against these traditions here in Colossians 2. So Paul is focusing on how their sins were forgiven. A man's sins are not forgiven by submitting to various non-scriptural philosophies and traditions of human concoction. A man is forgiven by placing his faith in the finished work of Yahweh's Messiah, Yeshua, the only begotten Son. Uh, Colossians 2 verse 14 says this, Blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. Now, here is where many people make a strong attempt to point out that the law has been nailed to the cross of the Messiah. Now, I think I have enough time to get into this in this broadcast. I've actually heard preachers say things like this. The Bible says the law has been nailed to the cross, Matthew, and has been abolished in Christ. Now, I'm going to do my best to show you why this verse, Colossians 2, verse 14, is not saying that at all. Not even coming anywhere close to saying that. The law of Yahweh, the Torah of Yahweh, has not been nailed to the cross of Christ. It hasn't. It hasn't at all. That's not what's been nailed to the cross. This was not even in the mind of Paul as he penned these words in verse 14. See, verse 14 has to be read first and foremost within the contextual framework of verse 13. The last phrase in verse 13 states that Yahweh has forgiven you of all your trespasses. And then in verse 14, it begins by saying, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us. So when we put the two together, it causes us to see that the way in which Yahweh forgave us of our trespasses, that is our sins, is by blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us and contrary to us. That's the way he forgave it. Once again, read the end of verse 13, move right into verse 14, and you'll see the way Yahweh forgives sins is by blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us. So, the blotting out of this handwriting is extremely pertinent to explaining the removal of sin in the life of the Colossians and in the life of the believer today, obviously. So what is the handwriting? And first and foremost, we should recognize that the text says it's a handwriting of ordinances that was against us. Now, that should be an automatic clue if you know the scriptures to tell you that it cannot be the written Torah. 
Because the written Torah is not against you. As a matter of fact, read Deuteronomy 28, the first 11 or 12 verses, and also Leviticus 26, the first verses in that chapter, and they will show you that when we obey the law, we will be blessed. The Israelites, as a nation, were said to be blessed in the city and in the field. Blessed shall be the fruit of thy womb. Blessed shalt thou be when you cometh in. Blessed shalt thou be when you goeth out. The law of Yahweh is not against us. As a matter of fact, Deuteronomy chapter 30 verses 11 through 14 says that it's not too difficult for us. So this cannot be what has been blotted out because the law is not against us. Many Bible versions today translate this phrase, handwriting, more appropriately and more accurately based upon the Greek text of the New Testament. The Greek word for handwriting is the Greek word kerographon. And it stems from a couple of different words. Uh, number one, it deals with hand, which is kero in the Greek. And then graphon comes from graphe, which has to do with a writing. And so literally, yes, it means handwriting. But, but, technically, when you study Greek literature, you'll see that the word kerographon specifically means a written agreement or a certificate of debt. Now, notice from a few Bible translations. The Holman Christian Standard Bible translates this as follows. He erased the certificate of debt with its obligations. American Standard Version, having blotted out the bond written in ordinances. Lamza's translation from the Aramaic, he canceled the written bond of our sins. English Standard Version, by canceling the record of debt. Today's English Version, he canceled the unfavorable record of debts. New American Standard Bible, having canceled out the certificate of debt. Also, the Theological Dictionary of the New Testament has this to add concerning this particular Greek word. Quote, Kerographon, a document is written in one's own hand as a proof of obligation, that is, a note of indebtedness. The meaning in Colossians 2.14, then, is a promissory note. The Mighty One cancels the bond that lies to our charge. This bond is not a compact with the devil. It is the debt that we have incurred with the Mighty One. The forgiveness of sins, verse 13, through identification with the Messiah, in His vicarious death and resurrection, means that this note is canceled. The Mighty One has set it aside and nailed it to the cross. If you'll recognize, brothers and sisters, the truth of Colossians 2.14, and I'll get more into this in next week's message. What was blotted out was the certificate of debt with its decrees that was against us. You have to recognize that when a man commits sin, it is as though he incurs a debt to Almighty Yahweh. And did not Yeshua teach us in the Lord's Prayer in Matthew chapter 6, he says this in one translation, Forgive us of our debts as we forgive our debtors. What is he talking about? He's speaking of sin as though it was a debt. As though you owed Yahweh a debt. These are the things that are written down, so to speak, and they are against us. And they are contrary to us. What is it exactly? 
It's our record of sin. When a man breaks the law of Yahweh, he commits a sin. Therefore, he owes Yahweh a debt. This is what was blotted out on the torture stake of our beloved Messiah, Yeshua, the Son of Yahweh. So I'm going to get into this more next week. I do want to offer again a free book, free of charge, free and postpaid to anybody that calls or emails me. And I'll give the information out at the end of this broadcast. You can request the free book, Learning to Love His Law. This book is an over 150-page book that details systematically why we should be loving the law of Yahweh and why none of it has been abolished. You've been listening to the Ministers of the New Covenant radio broadcast. Our website is ministersnewcovenant.org. That's ministersnewcovenant.org. Please visit our website where you will find hundreds of audio sermons as well as videos, books, and articles explaining various doctrines in the scriptural faith. For questions, you can also call 678-347-6240. That's 678-347-6240. Thanks for listening, and according to His will, may Yahweh richly bless.